The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I almost forgot the name of the podcast, Simon. That, that's odd. I've been doing so much uh, the last few days. I've done a Vikings podcast, a Bills podcast, a Jets podcast. I'm doing Such too many podcasts. Such a fool, Ralph. Yeah, I know it's too it's too much. You know, it's you know, there's too much Alf out there on 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 in audio world. Do you remember when yeah. he walks behind the NFL Network set? There was too much Alf there as well. <laughs> yes, although I tried not to do that, but now it's going to be a thing. Now you know, every time I see an NFL Network camera or a set, I'm going to try to walk behind it. I actually tried. You- I actually tried doing it the second day that I was there in Tampa. But evidently, you know, I didn't catch them at the right time or that was something that was for the Internet or, you know, for YouTube. And it it didn't go live on air because I didn't make it onto the air the second time. Every time you know where the NFL Network are going to be, I think you need to jump on a plane and then just walk behind the set. And then (laughs) you'll become like this national kind of thing where people are like, did you see that guy on the set? I'm sure I saw him yesterday. And they'd be like, that guy's there again. He's in Cleveland. He was in Green Bay last week. And then you rock up in like Los Angeles and you're walking around so fine. Jamie Erdahl's like, who the fuck is that guy? And it's you every time. I think and then for the London games, I show up at the pub. Yeah, absolutely. Munich, Mexico, just the whole thing, mate. And I, if you don't, I'm just going to question your commitment to this whole project. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I got to start doing that. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, that starts next year, okay? That'll, yeah. be my, that'll be my project for next year. I'll As always. Network tour. I, I can't wait to see it, buddy. Uh, of course, you, you're hearing Simon Clancy. Chris Kaufman will be here in the second half of the show. So we're doing that thing that, that you guys hate. But you can, you can switch off after the first half. It gets really boring. <laughs> yeah. As always, we're brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN. You get 20% off your entire order and free free shipping. Okay. Prize picks. Go to Prize Picks. Sign up. Use the promo code 5, F-I-V-E. You get a $100 rollover bonus which means you deposit $100, you roll over once, which means you bet it through once, and they give you $100. In my neck of the woods, they call that free money. Take it. Promo code F-I-V-E. All right, Simon, we're going to do that thing where you seem to like it when, when I quiz you. Can you explain British politics in the last calendar year inside <laughs> of 30 seconds? Uh, car crash, goat fuck, absolute shit fest. So we have a terrible right-wing government over here called the Conservative Party, and they have summarily failed to fuck the country from behind using a very, very large robotic penis. Um, and essentially everybody in the country is, there's a massive cost of living crisis in the UK, a massive energy crisis because energy bills are ridiculous. I'm literally sitting here grasping a hot water bowl with a cat warming my hands by candlelight, and that's not bullshit. 
because energy bills are so expensive. Um, but essentially, Boris Johnson, the haystack-headed fuck punt, uh, resigned about a few months ago after a tenure of complete and utter disaster, including uh, holding parties at his house during the pandemic, which was completely illegal. Um, he was eventually forced to resign, the massive grifter that he is, and this completely useless non-entity of a human being called Liz Truss took over. She lasted 44 whole days, and during that time, she resigned this morning, during that time, the Queen died. That wasn't her fault, but it may well have been. Then she released a new budget, which ha- which just so happened to tank the entire economy, send the pound spiralling to its lowest level ever, and almost bring the entire world economy down. Um, whilst all the while pushing up all the things that they were claiming they weren't going to do, bills, energy bills, heating, all that sort of shit. There are more people using food banks in this country. Almost a million people use food banks in this country now. There's only 63 million people in the country. That tells you what an absolute shit show it is. So she sacked her financial chancellor, the guy who looks after the money and, and sort of threw him under the bus and brought in a new guy who three weeks ago had been calling for her to resign because she was so terrible. He came in, reversed every single part of her (laughs) manifesto that for when she took over. uh, And uh, essentially she resigned this morning. Uh, The problem being that Liz Truss, who is the useless uh, 44 day woman prime minister who resigned this morning was not voted for by the country. She was voted for by the uh, members of the Conservative Party, of which are about 80,000. They're all old, white, right-wing fucks. So imagine like Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft and people like that, but they're just the Conservative Party uh, <laughs> members. So they got to vote on Liz Truss, not the entire country. And guess what's going to happen again? Because Truss was on this morning. Yep, Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft, <laughs> Stephen Ross are all going to get the chance to vote on another monster fuck-up. Uh, rather than calling a general election and actually letting the country vote. So that is the state of British politics at maybe, the moment. Maybe you get Jimmy story. Haslam. Maybe you get Jimmy Haslam this time. And, and he'll fix this. <laughs> okay, Fuck now, uh, final question on this. Where does the head of lettuce uh, come in? Uh, oh, okay, that- so, yeah, so one of the red top newspapers, uh, you've probably heard of, like, News of the World, at the Sun, at the Mirror. Well, there's another yes. called The yeah. Star over here. And the star, where when it was pretty obvious over the last few days that she was in absolutely dire straits and not just, you know, really bad. It was, like, really, really, really bad. They set up a live YouTube feed with a photo of Liz Truss and a lettuce, <laughs> which they bought from a supermarket, an actual lettuce. <laughs> and they bet that people could... Bet on who would last longer, the lettuce, would it wilt and die, or Liz Truss as Prime Minister? And people, <laughs> at one point, I think there were 22,000 people watching the live feed on YouTube, which was literally just a lettuce sat there. Um, and the lettuce won. The lettuce is still there. It hasn't wilted. It hasn't died. But Liz Truss has fucked off. So, yeah, that's essentially, I mean, if you would have thought on January the 1st, you know, when kind of everybody's celebrating, happy new year, happy new year, boo, 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 you know, all the parties and stuff, that the enduring image of the year would be a photo <laughs> of a lettuce sat next to a completely useless politician. Well, you could, you would have got a big price on um you know prize picks if uh, if um that had been your that had been your uh, selection of what would be the enduring photo of 2022, but you would have been right if you'd have picked a lettuce, a supermarket lettuce next to an incompetent prime minister. Wow, yeah, it, it's it's incredible. It really is. Oh, wow. There you uh, go. Yeah, it, it, it actually makes you kind of feel pretty good about our, our politics over here. You know, absolutely. Oh, and the good news is that Boris Johnson's announced that he's going to rerun for the. Um, so yeah, so, so maybe he, you could do it all over again. Yeah, you know? so you're going for you're going from one absolute shit fest to the same absolute shit fest that you had for like, I mean, it, it won't happen. That I mean, it can't happen. There would genuinely, if Boris Johnson was to win 
the Conservative Party election to be Prime Minister, which is going to happen over the next seven days, there would be a massive, massive public protest. There'd be marches on Downing Street. People would take to the streets. So there would be martial law had to be imposed in this country. So I can't see that happening. Incredible. All right. Welcome to England. Welcome to Britain. (laughs) Broken Britain. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, uh, a team that's not broken. Getting their their quarterback back is the the Miami Dolphins' big, big game uh, this week. Um, they're celebrating the the 50 year anniversary of the 1972 team. They're going to wear the throwbacks. the The stadium will be festooned with 1972 stuff. the The end zones will be painted. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a great night. Obviously, all of the stories. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't know if you saw that today, but uh, he kind of revealed to Rich Eisen, yeah, you know, Brian Flores and Tua Tungavailoa. It's a blood feud, and they hate each other. Okay. All right. Which is kind of interesting in and of itself, because that's another storyline. But uh, you saw Tua's uh, availability and he was very revealing in it, I think. But one thing that he did say was like Mike McDaniel kind of told him like, hey, man, (laughs) you got to live to see these other plays. Mm. I went back and looked at every single major injury he's had. I'm not going to call his ankle a major injury because that was just an injury he played the following week, okay? And then the other one he missed one week. I don't consider those major injuries. But the hip, the concussion, they've all come the same way. Extending plays and very, very large men hitting him. Mm. The concussion play was really not an extension of the play. The concussion play for me was him not taking the opportunity to hit Jalen Waddle and he pulled back on it. And I I don't understand why. Um, And the annoying thing is that he... (laughs) The only thing is that he won't remember what happened, so you can't even fucking ask him about it. <laughs> Although he says he remembers everything up until the tackle, so he knows yeah, he screwed up that play. I bet. If if I was to, I mean, I would say I remember everything up until the snap of that ball <laughs> to escape myself from the ridiculous reason why I didn't make that throw. But yes, it's um, he's got to learn to. He's look. He, we talked about Alabama. He's got to learn to. You know, live for the next play. He's got to learn to throw it away. I love the fact that he's got some moxie. I love the fact that he trucked over um, the guy at the Jets last season. Uh, you know, we love all those sorts of things. But, you know, there is a there is a long game to this. And I, I just don't think he can do that on Sunday because everybody's going to be talking about their concussion. Every single hit he takes, every time he goes down, God forbid anything happens to him. People, the, I mean, the fucking internet will burn down if anything happens to him. Um so he can't be out there, you know, lead blocking like Michael Stott and, you know, all that sort of stuff that, you know, sometimes you, you get him doing. He's just got to play it safe. He's just got to live for a next down because, like I said, by God, social media will fucking burn if uh, if he gets injured or, it, God forbid, he gets another concussion or something like that. It would just be an absolute, you know, you may as well just disband the Dolphins right now if that happens. Yeah, and and one thing I uh, I did like is that he brought it up. Now, it's it's one thing to bring it up like, hey, you know, I got to get rid of it. Um, I don't know if you saw. Well, you did see. You saw it in like you saw it in condensed version. But uh, Kirk Cousins had four incompletions in that game, which were complete throwaways. Because if he doesn't mm-hmm. throw it away, he gets probably uh, there's a homicide <laughs> around the the forty or fifty yard line by Christian Wilkins on one and Jalen Phillips on another. But four times uh, Kirk Cousins gave up on a play and then just slung it into the stands. You know, yeah. give the fans a souvenir. Those are all smart plays because. I watched- 
Jalen Hurts do exactly the same on Monday Night Football. Must have thrown the ball away five or six times. Just there was one point when one of the cow backup Cowboys defensive linemen just caught the ball. Mm. And it was just like uh, offensive linemen just caught the ball, and it was just like just just get rid of it. Just live for another down, and that, that's what he's got to learn to do. And you know when he said, "Oh, I'm not really that kind of guy," we've got to learn to be that kind of guy. Otherwise, you're going to end up out of football in in two seasons or less. You know, you've got to live for another play, and um, there's nothing wrong with with being able to to do that and learning to do that and not getting hurt. I, it's, I mean, one of the things I thought he said was really interesting was he said that I'm not the savior of this football team. Well, he's going to have to be the savior of this football team. I don't care whether he likes it or not. He's got to be. And it's not that he's performed like a savior. We're not, you know, this is not Elvis Presley or the reincarnation of Dan Marino, or this is not Tom Brady or Otto Graham coming back into the building, but this is a guy who's playing well, playing really well, you know, and the the, the Dolphins were three and we when he went out of the game and we talked about it on Monday, but realistically, they should have won at least two of those other games, and would have done if he wasn't if he was playing. So he this this is a massive game for the Dolphins now because they start a big stretch. They're six and a half point favorites this game on Sunday, and they're going to be favorites for every single game over the next six weeks. They've got to win on Sunday. I think they've got to get momentum back. You know, they lost at home. You can't afford to keep giving home games where it's against an, an AFC contender ish contender. You know the. You know, they beat the, the 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 Bucks at the weekend, so the Steelers have a right to feel like, you know, in a bad-ish division that they're you know they're involved. So, I, I, Tua, whilst he doesn't want to be the savior, has got to come back and lead this team and take this team to a win on Sunday. Because if the Dolphins go three and four, then you know this thing is getting ugly, and it becomes an indictment on what happens to the quarterback moving forwards. You know, where do we go with him if we can't win these big games? I remember the last time. You know, we had this 75th anniversary. The end zones were painted. We looked sexy in our outfits. And we got spanked on national TV by the Giants at home. And you, we can't have that at the weekend. We've got to come in. We've got to stamp our authority. We've got to show the nation the team that beat Buffalo. Show the, the nation the team that beat the Patriots. Patriots are a good team. You know, they're three and three. They're a good team. We've got to show the nation the team that came back and beat beat the Ravens. Uh, and if we get that sort of performance, we get back on track, then that will be huge. And, you know, we're not doing that with Skyler. We're not doing that with Teddy, but we can do it with Tua. And he's got a huge opportunity now to show the country exactly what he can do. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I wanted to talk about, uh, Mike McDaniel, um, where has he been all our lives? Because we had uh, what people would call offensive gurus before, namely uh, Adam Gase. And for one season, it kind of looked like it was going to work behind running the ball with J.H.I. and play action. But Mike McDaniel, it's been six games. The sample is not tiny. It's not giant either, but it's pretty good right now. Do you know who's the number one passing offense in the NFL by yards per attempt? Um, it's the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and you know who's number two by passing yards? The Miami I Dolphins. <laughs> you know who's number three by touchdowns? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Mike McDaniel's built an, an identity, right? Yeah, absolutely. But you look around the league. You look at the Cardinals, for example. You look at the Panthers. You look at the Bears. You look at the Packers. You look at the Rams. You look at the who else? You look at the Washington. You look at. I throw the Ravens in there because everybody yeah. thinks that seems to think that the Ravens are great. They lose every big game they're in. But no, this is not about defeats. This is just about offensive futility. You look at the Broncos, you look at the Browns, you look at the, who else? You look at the Colts. You know, these are teams that are really struggling on offense and you kind of feel like, you know, I know it's only six games in, but hugely thankful for what this offense is able to do and the, the matchups is able to create. There are people running wide open in this offense on almost every single down. Like, or I'm not even joking, on almost every single play, there are people 
wide open. You need to have the guy that can find these guys because this offense is unbelievably creative and it's so creative from week to week. It's almost like he just dials like a complete new script week after week after week. And, you know, if they can start hitting on on this, hitting on some of these big plays, this offense is and stay injury free. This offense could be unstoppable if they just get going and if Tua can just really get back into a rhythm. Yeah, and this is and the good thing is that this is something that that will get better with time. Uh, you know, while defenses tend to wither throughout the year, offenses get better, namely because defenses are withering because they're they're getting injured right, for, yeah. for the most part. You know, but. Yeah, you look at this offense, and if there's one thing, because everybody's like, okay, you know, they need two of back. Like, the offense doesn't work the same way. Well, the, the offense works exactly the same way between the 20s. But where I think Tua makes it a massive difference is in the red zone. He's always been a pretty good red zone quarterback, and that's what they need. They need those touchdowns because that's what they're not getting these last few weeks. Like, you tend to – you got to agree with that, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But we're, you know, this is going to be week three talking about this. Uh, last week, you know, I guess they got behind a bit and they just started throwing it all over the lot. How important is it going to be to try to get this run game eventually going? Because they, they got to complement Tua in, in some way. And the best way, I think, is to just get this run game going. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of easier said than done in a way because the, the struggles on the offensive line, it'll be interesting to see what you kind of want Austin Jackson back. Mm-hmm. But you kind of like, I feel like Toronto Armstead's going to play. Um, the week off did him good, and um, I feel like you know if Armstead can come back, can come back you want to see somebody pushing Liam Eikenberg because that's an experiment that's just not working. Connor Williams mm-hmm. is playing very well at centre. You know, at some point there, there might be an argument about whether you move Connor Williams to left guard, and you know you bring Dieter in at centre, and you know because the Eikenberg situation is so bad, or whether or not Jackson comes back. And Greg Little kind of his hand gets better and he regains his form, or Brandon Shell, uh, Brandon Shell does, and you know you put Shell at right tackle and and you kick um, Jackson back to that left guard position that he played all right at last season. I, I think he's an upgrade over Eichenberg, but yeah, I mean the the line's got to be healthy for the run game to to start to work. Feels like most of it is close to breaking so many big runs, you know. Mm. Um, but that linebacking crew at the Steelers is a good, you know, it's a good unit. You know, Miles Jack is playing really, really well. Um, Devin Bush is playing really, really well. And obviously, you know, we know all about the safeties. And they did really well last week with half their defense missing. I mean, they played almost entirely a, a new secondary last week. You know, um, there were so many players out and yet they still beat the Buccaneers. Um, so, but yeah, the, the getting the run game going is is going to be huge. But I think the Dolphins are going to pass up and down all over the field. I really do. It kind of feels like it's going to be that kind of night that McDaniel's just going to, you know, just at home, the atmosphere, two are coming back. There's going to be a real sense of kind of, let's fucking have it on national TV. Yeah. And the Steelers, they, they give up tons of passing yards. Mm. Like that's been their, that's been their Achilles heel. Uh, I would have, I would have felt a little bit differently about this game if TJ Watt was there, but yeah, he's sure. he is still about a couple of weeks uh away from, from coming back. They have injuries in the secondary, namely Levi Wallace. Minka Fitzpatrick is coming back for this game. He's pretty excited about it, uh, for, for obvious reasons. Yeah, he's a great player as well, you know. Yeah, no, and he's having a great season. Uh Terrell Edmonds has battled injuries all year. Akilo Witherspoon, who's a who's a player I've always liked. Not a fit for Miami, by the way, but he's 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 always been a pretty nice player, especially when he was with San Francisco. Uh, he is 
I guess coming back because I see him on the on the injury report and it says limited, which that tends to be a good sign. Alex Highsmith is a guy who Chris Kaufman loved. He's having a monster year. Like yeah, he's playing really well. So you know it's and and Cameron Hay was one of the best defensive players in football. So if you look at this team up and down, like there's the talent there. You know, Highsmith leads the league in sacks. So yes, yeah. Devin Bush, Miles Jack, like they have talent. Okay, uh, you know Montavious Adams, they have good players on this team. Uh, So this is a team to be respected. On the other side, Dolphin defense. uh, I'm not going to say that they found something. I thought they played magnificently against the. The Vikings. Yeah. That's a really good offense. Um, and I forgot who it was. I was watching somebody on TV, and they were saying the forty-eight yard, you know, running, you know, uh, pass and catch by Jefferson, and the fifty-yard run by Dalvin Cook. You take those two away, they gave up. <laughs> what was it? A, a total of what nine first downs mm. and hundred and eleven yards of total offense. Like that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, the problem is that they got to get their hands on the football. It looks like they're going to face the rookie. And look, I don't want to tempt fate, but I do you agree with this? I'm happy to see Kenny Pickett. And I want no part of Mitch Trubisky. I understand he's been terrible, but Mr. Trubisky, I think, has another dimension besides what Kenny Pickett can can offer, I, I think. Yeah, I just you just want to see Pickett because he's a rookie. Because you know, I mean, he was awful in the first game. He threw three picks, and you know, he's coming off a concussion. And you kind of just want to, you know, you, you just that's that's the sort of guy you want on the, you know, you want to go up against. You want to confuse him with the cover zero looks with the blitzes, you know, the 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 late change in the secondary that we do. Um, you know, he he won't have faced a corner like Xavier Howard. Um, you know. Javon Holland, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, I've, to me, I just um, you know you want the rookie in there because you want him to be confused, and I, I think he'll take some chances. And he, you know he's got a good receiving core. Deontay Johnson's a good player. Chase Claypool, if he's still there, I talk about being traded to the Packers. Obviously, um, Najee Harris is a really good player. I think Pat Frymuth is coming back, so that will offer a challenge as well because he's a good player. But you know, I, I absolutely want the rookie in there because I think that's the you know. That's the way to, and, and you need to smack him in the mouth a little bit and pick him off. And, you know, getting turnovers is something the Dolphins have struggled to do. And um, by the way, just looking at the sack totals, Alex Highsmith, number one in the NFL. What number is the number one Dolphins player? Hmm. I, I know that Phillips has two, and I think that's it, right? <laughs> Am I right? Ingram. Oh. Has, Ingram is the sack leader on the Dolphins. Wow. And he has what, three? Phillips has one and a half. No, Ingram has uh, um, Ingram has two. Phillips has one and a half. Huh. Ingram I thought, is, Phillips, I thought the, Phillips played really, really well this past yeah. week. He's the 63rd. Um, he's 63rd in the league in sacks. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's how well we're doing. Yeah, they got to they gotta improve that. Uh, yeah. yeah, Raekwon he's, Davis got a sack last week, which was... Who the leading nice tackler is on the defense. Hmm. Leading tackle. Well, it has to be Javon Holland. Although he has, he has forty-two tackles this season for number number thirty-five in the league. Hmm. Yeah, they, they're gonna have to make plays. Like you know, and I know Xavier. But, what, did you, it's uh, not how it's not Howard, by the way. Hmm. In fact, Howard doesn't feature in the top. Is not in the top ninety. <laughs> three Dolphin players in the top ninety. If you can guess all three, I'll give you a cookie. Uh, Alana Roberts is one. Nope. Baker. Yes. He's second. 
And Wilkins, obviously. Wilkins, yep. He is he's 82nd overall with 32 tackles. Baker is 76 with 33 tackles. So who is the oh I lied, Alanda Roberts is on there. He's 70th with 34 tackles. So if you can guess the number one tackling Miami Dolphin, you get a cookie. And it's not Holland? And it's not Holland. And you, I'm even affording you a mulligan because you said Holland. Oh, Brandon Jones. Oh, you fucking bastard. That's right, yeah. You can have a cookie. I'll send it to you virtually. Yeah. So, yeah, the defense has to make plays. And What did you make of Xavier Howard's, like, I don't know what you would call it, but I guess urging? Like, hey, let's make plays. We got to start making plays. He's um, right, though. Yeah, he is right. But uh, but then you, you put that up against what Mike McDaniel says. How does that square? Because Mike McDaniel says when you start pressing is when you start having penalties. And then yeah. I guess, you know, you saw the, the result. So yeah. how does that work, really? I just want to see them play a clean game. I just want to see them come out, dominate on national TV. Just, you know, you know when you get the feeling that everything's going right, just score touchdowns, just turn over the ball, just smack people in the mouth. You know, everybody's happy. Everybody stays healthy. The quarterback looks sexy. The uniforms are amazing. You know, I mean, there are so many subplots to, to Sunday night's game because obviously Brian Flores is going to be there. Stephen Ross returns. The quarterback returns. There's all sorts going on. McDaniel's going to look cool on TV. We're going to be running these funky sets. Everybody's going to be like, wow, the Dolphins are back. But, you know, that we've got a real chance to to turn shit around. You know what I mean? Especially then, you know, with what's with what's coming up in, you know, in the, in the next few weeks. And the, the opportunity, all of a sudden, if you beat... You know, you beat the Steelers, you know, you got the Lions, the Bears, the Browns, the Texans. Next four games, you should win those four games, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, or the next five games, really. And all of a sudden, you go from three and three to what, four, five, six, seven. You're eight and three before you then go on this West Coast swing to the 49ers and the Chargers. Oh, and by the way, Mike McDaniel is going to have a, you know, you know full well he's going to be excited to go back to San Francisco yes. in that game. No, th- there's a bunch of subplots in both of those. First of all, you have the the the, the rivalry that the, the the fans have created in their heads between Justin Herbert and and Tua Tonga Vailoa. So that's one. And the other one, of course, is San Francisco. But you yeah. can go over there eight and three, thinking, you know what? If we could sneak one win out of these next two weeks, yeah. we get is, you to can... nine before we get to December. That's pretty yeah. good. You get six games if you can win those next five games. You've got six games to go in the season, right? And if you win three, you're definitely in the playoffs. If you win two, you're probably in the playoffs. So you've got to win. What are they? So road game, road game. So back-to-back-to-back road games, right? In fact, four, one, two, three, four of the last five are on the road. And they're on the road at San Francisco, the Chargers, the Bills, the Patriots, and you've got home against the Jets and the Packers. I mean, if I mean, you are asking, you've got to win one big one on the road, and then you've got to take down Aaron Rodgers and a team that's beating you. It's not an easy, it's not an easy finish. But you can't, you can't afford because every one of those games over the next five weeks that you drop, that means there's one of those big games at the end of the season. You've got to go to San Francisco to win. You've got to go to Buffalo and win. You've got to go to, you know, do you know what I mean? You've got to go mm. to New England and win. Yeah, that's why you got to fatten up over the next four or yeah. five weeks. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, I got to ask you about this because it's it's one of the subplots. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick revealed a little bit more. I never understood it. You know, 
guy gets drafted. Uh, why do you just hate the guy? <laughs> and I'm talking about Brian Flores and and Tua Tungavailoa. Do you think it it was something personal? Like it's 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 like sometimes two personalities just don't mix. Do you think it was something personal, or do you think it was something deeper that nobody knows about yet? Oh, I think it's probably a little from column A and a little from column B. I suspect Tua. I suspect Brian Flores is pretty tightly wound. I suspect Tua. Just by that sort of Hawaiian nature is pretty laid back. And I wonder whether or not there was a bit of, you know, I, I know that we talk, we've talked about this on the podcast. We talked about it on OnlyFins, $3, $3 a month, by the way, um, about how, you know, I certainly in the early part of Tua's career, he might have been a little bit more lackadaisical perhaps in his preparation than he could have been. That probably pissed Flores off. Um, yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, I, I know firsthand that Flores wanted to uh, in the draft. I mean, that's come from an absolutely diamond source. So I don't really understand it. I don't really understand it. Maybe it was a part of, you know, I mean, it's 53 players plus 16 um, practice squad players plus, what, 25 coaches and support staff. Nobody mm. is, you're not going to like every single person. Do you know what I mean? It's, mm. just, it's just not the way it works. You can't get on with everybody. But it's it becomes untenable when the quarterback and the head coach don't go on. Look what happened in Tampa Bay with with Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. You know, you've got to have that relationship, that symbiotic relationship like Sean Payton and Drew Brees, like, you know, Montana and Walsh, like Marino and Shula, or, you know, all of these great combinations. It's got to work because if it doesn't work, you can't do anything. And, you know, that's why the McDaniel Tua relationship is has fostered and, and worked so well early on because of the relationship between the two guys. And I think Tua has responded. Um to the way that, uh, and I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because you look at you look at the way Tua was coached at Alabama. You, you would have thought, oh well, you know, tough love. Nick Saban's not the sort of arm around the shoulder kind of, you know, rub his belly kind of coach. That's yeah. that's, that's not his game. Um, so you'd have thought that actually he'd have taken to the Flores kind of situation. But look, mate, we just don't know. We could sit here and pontificate, and we could guess. And there's only really going to be two three people that really truly know what happened and the reasons why. And, and Flores is mm. never going to come out and say it. And you saw how diplomatic and, and how well-spoken to was about it yesterday, how much he was looking forward to play. You know, I thought it was a great answer that he gave. I'm just looking forward to playing against his, you know, it'd be good to see those guys and looking forward to playing against the, you know, the, the defensive guys that, that he's in charge of. He, he knows Minka very well. Obviously they're on the same Alabama team mm-hmm. um, that won a national championship. And yeah. So, I mean, he, um, it'll be a good test. It'll be a really good test. Yeah, only uh, only Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Brian Flores, and probably a few coaches and two will know what actually went down there. But it was it was it was pretty interesting to see Ryan Fitzpatrick say, "Yeah, it was it was bad while I was there, and when I left, I, it's my understanding it got a lot worse." Yeah. Now, who would tell him that? Well, the guy that he interviewed two weeks ago, which is Tua Tungavaloa, right? Like he's that's who would tell him that. You know, it's also interesting that the the Steelers are now doing like hot yoga and like they're turning up the heat at their practice facility and it's going to be an absolutely magnificent night on Sunday night 70 degrees it's going to be actually cool <laughs> so this is taking on a life of its own the heat here in Miami like most of this is absolute bullshit by the way yeah like I don't know if you saw the Vikings the Vikings had air mists they had cooling benches they had tents uh the char- the um, the Patriots did the same you know you know the bills just blame their logistics staff for not bringing all that stuff over but yeah you can bring all that crap over and turn it on like you know it's it's no big deal 
Like yeah. what the Steelers are doing is absolutely ridiculous. I felt sorry for the poor guy that was stood at the end holding it outside <laughs> of the shade. Like, <laughs> yes. Hey, dude, go and stand in 90 degree weather for three and a half hours. I hope you brought your suntan. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you know, maybe, you know, just set it up, you know, put spikes into the ground and just leave it there. You know, that's, you know, but it's, it's balmy. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. You're playing a sport. Well, everybody else is playing a sport out there in in the heat. It's, it, you know, so it's pretty equal out there. Just put on, a, you know, put on a little suntan lotion, turn on the air mists and put on the, the little shade and you're fine. Okay. It's, it's okay. It, it's, being a pussy and get out there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just a little bit too much. All right. What happens on Sunday? Um, I'll go first. Yeah. I think this is, uh, I'm not going to call it a, a procession, but it's, it's going to be a festive atmosphere. Big crowd. Sunday night football, only the fourth time they're going to have a Sunday night football game since 2006, okay? It should be a lot of fun. The The uniforms are going to look spectacular. The field is going to look even better. I think that you're going to see the best of the Dolphins, and, and I'm going to I'm gonna say it's their best performance of the year to date, even, even after beating Buffalo. I say 27-10 to 10 Miami Sunday night. What say you, Simon? 34-21 Dolphins. That sounds good to me, too. All right. Okay. That's going to have to be it for the Simon Clancy portion of this You don't podcast. need to listen to the next bit. It was boring as fuck. Boring. Boring. <laughs> I, although I think he's going to fix that underwater thing. <laughs> fucking better. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. We will go to some ads right now. Uh and when we come back, we will have Chris Kaufman. But first, Going on these things. words. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. And that was a very entertaining first half of the show with, with Simon. Uh, I, I talked to him about British politics. It turns out that the lettuce is not going to be prime minister, Chris. Which I is, thought that's how it works. Well, I thought so too. When I saw the lettuce, I got very excited. I'm like, now produce is actually going to have, you know, political say in a country. Like, you know, I signed up for this. Like this, this is what I'm 
kind of excited for. But it turns out that the head of lettuce was just there to kind of prove a point, right? Which is sad. Well, I, you know, I, I tweeted something about, you know, did, does the lettuce become PM now? I don't know. I don't know how British politics work. And somebody replied, they don't work. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is the point, you know, but it's, you know, uh, we went over it and he, I asked him for a minute on the last calendar year of British politics. And he gave me, I think I had it at three minutes and 15 seconds or something like that. So, you know, he had, he had plenty to talk about. That was that was uh that was surprisingly compressed. Like yeah, as far as explaining an entire country's political uh, system. Yeah, but it, what was interesting was that he was explaining to me that they might just do it all over again because Boris Johnson might be the the prime minister again, which means in about two years' time, or not really about in about sixteen months' time, we'll be talking about another head of lettuce. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's kind of amazing because, like, it, you know, did Boris Johnson just like step down because yeah. of you know, well, essentially some embarrassments or doing a, a poor job or something along those lines. Bad hair, and, I think. It was like, bad hair. It could have been bad hair. Um, he reminds his hair. You know, he reminds he reminds me of like a fatter version. Do you remember the? Do you remember the um the um the British uh, kicker in um in the replacements? Yeah, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, his hair. He, he reminds me of like a a a chunkier version of that dude. <laughs> Who, by the way, is like you know now now he's playing like the hand on on House of the Dragon, and which is yeah. <laughs> interesting to think about. Like you know, I keep old, wanting old to, Otto. Otto, uh, I love that. Otto that, Hightower, yeah, yeah. I keep, Otto I keep Hightower. wanting him to like grab his, grab his, grab himself and just start singing "Ole, Ole, Ole." <laughs> I like Otto Hightower. Uh, great yeah. guy. You know. Yeah. Well, oh, definitely. Yeah. He's now, when, when you thought when you were saying that that Boris Johnson reminded you of something, I thought that he that he he reminds me of Bill Parcells, but with bad hair because Bill Parcells was all, always had a perfectly coiffed, you know, hair, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But they, they they both have that urine colored hair, which is really odd. I don't I never got that. But yeah, it seems to be yeah. a thing in like older white males that were blonde at one time. You know, the um uh Al Davis's son, uh what's his what's his name? First name? Mark Davis. Mark Davis, that's right. Uh Al Davis's son. Like it's that color hair, but like 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 Mark Davis wishes his hair was as cool as Boris Johnson's. But uh, but yeah, like it's 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 kind of reminds me of that. And Mark Davis himself, you know, kind of reminds me of like if you put John Gruden in the microwave for too long. <laughs> yeah, John Gruden. Yeah, if you put John Gruden in the microwave for too long, you do get Mark Davis. Like that is a go. fact. That is uh, a fact. Yeah, which which brings me to to many things. But you know, we're going to talk about the game a little bit here. All right. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk some league issues because uh, I found some of this completely fascinating. Uh, we'll talk about that to close out the show. Okay. Uh, first league of all, issues. yeah, league issues. One that's very, a, very good that's one. ominous. <laughs> yes, it is ominous. Uh, yeah, we're not going to talk about Mike Florio. I've, I've done enough about that on, on Twitter for 
20 lifetimes. He's doubling did, down on. Did Simon properly scold you for uh, for caring what Mike Florio says? No, I didn't even bring it up. It's it's oh, okay. you know it's you know the you know but at this point you know Mike Florio will be in studio okay where he can double down or triple drop because he'll be tripling down now at this point that Tuatonga Valoa was not 190 pounds that he was in fact about 190 pounds when he came into the league. Uh, I showed the official combine measurement, 217 pounds, but none of that yeah. seems to matter. So, you know, he'll, he'll triple down on it Sunday. And, uh, well, you know, want... Alf, these guys at the combine, they, they drink about 30 pounds of water right before <laughs> they're about to measure. Yes. And then, and then they promptly die because they've just drank 30 pounds of water. Yeah, but uh, if you watch, uh, if if you like, you can you can go see the preview of the game between Chris Sims and Mike Florio, and that's all you need to know is just listen to Mike Florio. He's a big fan of a certain linebacker coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which we'll talk about, of course. Okay, but I I'll say this. Okay, two is coming back. All right, but the offense, and we talked about this. I talked about this with uh, with Simon. Uh, do you know who's number one in the league in yards per attempt? Passing. Uh, oh, in passing. Um, yes. God, uh, uh, what is, is, is two a number one? It's the, the Miami Dolphins pass offense. Oh, number oh, one. Mean, okay. So just uh, as a total. Although Miami two Dolphins. is number one, by the way. In yards per yeah. Attempt. I mean, because, because like, you his his yards per attempt were were far more better have been far better than uh Bridgewater's and and Thompson's so absolutely and do you know who's number 2 in passing yards uh i'm going to now are are we going to go with passing yards allowed because i are we 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 getting there because i no, think we're talking about the pass offense we're talking about pass offense here okay you, you know that that has to be. I mean, the Dolphins—they've got a, over eighteen hundred yards. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're second, yes, to to the Buffalo Bills. This is a thing. Uh, Mike McDaniel has built what seems to be a very highly functioning pass offense. But what has been the difference the last couple of weeks? I would submit to you that it's it's the red zone play of Tuatunga Baloa, and that's coming back on Sunday. Do you agree? Uh, well, there's a lot of things that are that are the difference. Uh, you know, if if you look at the fact, if you look at the fact that uh, we were three and zero with a high high functioning offense, and then we're zero and three with a very low functioning offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I did this. So I I did this on uh, Pro Football Reference. They have um they they do. They do an expected points uh, statistic, and um, and it, they do it in the play-by-play. So, but what it is is essentially every play based on its situation, um, field position, uh, you know, the the down, the distance, the field position, um, you know, all of the above. Uh, there's an expected point value essentially for the for the drive, and sometimes it's negative because it's like. You know, if you're in, if you're backed up on your own end zone, that's a bad, that's a bad deal because you're, you're probably going to, uh, you're, you're probably going to be giving the other team good field position and you might be risking a safety, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, so what the, before there's an expected point value before the play based on the situation, an expected point 
value after the play. Right. And um, and so if you look at if you if you tally up those differences for each of the plays, um, then you have what pro football reference, not focus, uh, refers to as expected points for for the offense, like how much how much you know total expected points they earned um, for the game. And Tua, for the three and a half games that he was in, uh, by the way, like uh, there were there were it's very even on snaps because even though it's three and a half games versus two and a half games uh, to his snaps, I think were something like 199 and Teddy Bridgewater's and Skylar Thompson snaps totaled up to, I think 192. Um, anyway, the, the two is expected points tallied up to over 50, you know, 50 expected points for his 199 snaps. Um, the other guys, tallied up to uh i believe negative six i want to say um it might even be it might even be significantly lower than that it might be more like uh negative 12 uh or something along those lines uh and 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 so that's i mean it, it just shows it just shows how much more effective the offense was in general and this was against the new england patriots and the baltimore ravens and the buffalo bills i mean these are these, yeah. these are not these are not cream puff defenses, right? <laughs> and, and as yeah. it turned out, two it turns out two of them are legitimate top five defenses. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that um, I think that it just shows you know what how much it's it's not just it's not just the QB wins and everybody oh QB wins um, it, it's not it's it's not that it's look at the points per drive look at the uh, look at the the way that they the way that on an individual plays they take a situation where they're expected to do X and then change it into a situation where they're expected to do Y, you know, like that's, that's the expected points thing. Um, I, it's, it's quite remarkable, the difference. And, um, and I, I ju- was just watching, we were just talking about all offense today. The um, several, several of the people were talking about like how Dan Orlovsky and Marcus Spears uh, were on their show talking about, um, talking about how Tua Tua's coming back and um and Dan Orlovsky's like, you know, everybody was getting on Tua for throwing down the field, but downfield is actually is exactly what the Dolphins offense is missing right now for the last three games or for the however much, you know, um the time that uh that Tua's been out. And which is ironic. Um and Marcus Spears was like, you know, listen, we were Tua was done a favor by being out because before he was out, everybody was just talking about how much of genius Mike McDaniel is and you know, what, what a great cast they've done or they put around him um, with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Well, those things have all been there for the last three games or two and a half games, whatever, but the result has been just starkly different. Yeah, and and so you know he's he's like now we sort of everybody sh- should sort of understand just how important Tua is and how much his skill was actually adding to the overall offense, and um and I think that that's uh that's a really good point. So um so you know look at just look at look at the offense's points per drive and such um before before Tua went out um and and then look afterwards. That's that's what we could expect different. Yeah, as far as the 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 game and how it should play out, the Steelers that they, they do give up a lot of passing yards, 
Uh, TJ Watt's not playing. Uh, we already established that he returns in a couple of weeks at best. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a lot of injuries these last couple of weeks, but it didn't seem to matter against the Bucks. They ended up winning that game without Minka Fitzpatrick, with Akilah uh, Witherspoon, who's a guy who I've always liked. Um, Terrell Edmonds. They've had a lot of injuries. Levi Wallace, and you know they've been in and out of the lineup. But for this game, it looks like Minka Fitzpatrick is making his return, but it's not clear how healthy those cornerbacks are going to be. They've been terrible against the pass all year. Stands the reason it's going to happen again, right? Like this is the the Dolphins are going to stay true to character. They're going to throw it all over the lot, and they're going to have success. Would you uh-huh. agree? I mean, that's well, you, you never know. We think they're going to zig, and then they're going to zag, and, and suddenly uh, Raheem Mostert is running for 150 yards. I don't know, yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly on paper, that's that's what you would think is going to happen. And I think that there's you know even even if we want to say well you know now that we think they're going to do this they're going to do that um the fact that this is at home and a night game you know yeah they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna pass it all over the yard they are yeah i I completely agree uh cam hayward will play uh he's been dealing with some injuries but this is an interesting interesting one and i want to give you know i want to give you an opportunity to pat yourself on the back here because tj watt is not playing but do you know Mm -hmm. who is playing Mm, I mean, aside from two a ton of a little. <laughs> well, we know he's playing, but on that defense, on that Steeler defense, they have mm-hmm. they have one guy you you kind of liked coming out a couple of years ago. You talking about Micah Fitzpatrick? No, Alex Highsmith. Oh, the Highsmith, yeah, Highsmith, yeah. Do you know who's oh. leading the league in sacks? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's 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 a he's a gifted pass rusher. I mean, yeah, but what did you see? Like, uh, what should Dolphin fans expect? Because a lot of Dolphin fans they come to us and they want to they they want us to dig into the weeds, and I guess we'll give them a little bit of weeds, you know, talk here as far as you know digging into the football weeds of this game. I watched them play a lot. Uh, Alex Highsmith plays like that buck position. He's going to be outside, which means. He's almost essentially going to be matched up exclusively with Teron Armstead, who is going to play, by the way, with it, with his toe injury. Uh, what should Dolphin fans expect from Alex Highsmith? What kind of player is he? Because this, well, this is probably going to be the first time that they watch him play, but he is special. Oh, I think I think where he first stood out to me would probably be um, when you saw him. You know, he, he went against an NFL player um, back at Clemson. When they played Clemson, they played against um, Jackson Carmen, uh, Carman, who is an NFL player. And, you know, he's uh, he was so impressed with Alex Highsmith that he was he was like, you know, I, I, I believe his exact his, his quote was Alex. Alex Highsmith was a dude. I've been playing football for 12 years and he's by far the fastest off the ball that I've ever gone against ever. Like that's what that's Jackson Carmen said. And he was he was left tackle of the Clemson Tigers at that time, and you know of course Alex Highsmith coming from where, coming from where he came from the Charlotte 49ers, you know that um, that that was that was quite the statement um, that uh, that he made against uh, about Highsmith. And when you looked at him, you know yeah it's it's um, this guy was this guy was extremely fast off the ball uh, and and very athletic and um and his his clock was just running at a different speed from all these guys and i thought he was i thought he was the second best edge player behind chase young in that draft um Mm. and you know i 
he he ended up going to um to the all-star games and and impressing people and and such but um but now that he's been you know now that he's been in the nfl for a little bit it's uh it's it's shown through but it i i think what the the thing that impressed me most most about him was that clock it was the the clock factor and it's that you know when you when you see somebody when you see somebody that actually just looks like they're on a different clock than than everybody else um and that's what stood out to me about him and you know jackson carbon had a had the the right observation he's he's extremely quick and fast off the ball um and once you do that oh sorry about that um once you have that uh that that speed off the ball then the ball is sort of in your court as far as being able to string moves together um because you've you've forced the offensive tackle to press and um and so then so then you can you get to zig where they zag and and string string together multiple moves and so on and so on and so forth but yeah he was he was a very impressive player yeah and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch when he's going to be matched up with with toron armstead and like i said i watched him a lot he's going to be matched up with toron armstead almost exclusively the entire game on on sunday that's the way they play that's the way they play him and in a couple of weeks when T.J. Watt comes back, first of all, it's going to make that defense spectacular, <laughs> okay, especially up front because they're going to have three hell of a play- – three great players up front, depending mm-hmm. on what you think uh, of Devin Bush, and I don't think he's a particularly good player, by the way, and, or Miles Jack. Maybe Miles Jack left his best games behind him, but they're going to have at least three, like, top 15-ish players, depending on what you think of Cameron Hayward. I happen to think – He's a top 10 defensive player in the league. Uh, TJ Watts may be top three. Highsmith is moving up there. They're going to be something here in a couple of weeks. But, you know, they might be nothing because of that offense, which has been absolutely horrible. Uh, Mike Tomlin is doing something very interesting. And maybe you disagree with me, but I, if I had my choice, I'd rather face Kenny Pickett than Mitch Trubisky. And not because of the last time we played Mitch Trubisky, uh, he threw it all over the lot. Uh, I don't even remember that epic shootout between the Dolphins and Bears here in Miami about three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. You, you remember that? That was the Albert Wilson game. Uh, no, I, yeah. I prefer Kenny Pickett. I'd rather face Kenny Pickett. He's in concussion protocol, but he's practicing fully. First of all, explain that to me. And second of all, do you share my optimism facing Kenny Pickett? Well, I think, yeah, I think, I think anytime you want to, you, you match Josh Boyer um, against a rookie quarterback and, and I'm not trying to necessarily sing Josh Boyer's praises because I realize that we're sort of still in evaluation mode with him hmm. um, as a defensive coordinator without Brian Flores. Uh, I think that, but still that style of defense, anytime you get that style of defense against a rookie quarterback, I think that's a, that's generally, that's generally a good a good deal for your team. Um, and, and that's the scare with Mitch Trubisky, who is not a good player. I do not think that he is a good quarterback, but, um, but the scare with him is that he is, he has been around. He has seen a lot of things. Um, and so when the dolphins start trying to show, you know, the exotic looks and the, um, the exotic blitzes and, and, and so on and so forth, then, uh, then the, 
you know, all it takes is all it takes is a, a veteran guy who's been around the block um, to recognize something and uh, and then, you know, hit the exact wrong spot in the defense and somebody's off to the races. Um, and so I think that, you know, especially depending on your play call, I mean, it's it's not going to happen if you're sitting back with too deep and, and so on. And that way, you know, we're keeping everything in front of you. But the Dolphins don't play like that. We know that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that you, you do want to face the rookie. And um, I don't know how how in blazes he's uh, he's practicing uh, on a quicker schedule than Teddy Bridgewater was. Mm-hmm. I don't get that um, one either. I, we have some disagreements there, I think, um, between uh, between Simon and I on uh, on on that on that front, um, you know, I, I don't see some, I, I'm not necessarily saying that I see some grand conspiracy, but I certainly do say something questionable there because uh, immediately after the Dolphins game, uh, Mike McDan- McDaniel got in front of the, the press and he said that the earliest we could see Teddy Bridgewater practicing is, is Thursday. And that was going to be a light practice. You know, th- that was going to be a limited practice. Um, and there are five discrete steps in the uh, the pro- concussion protocol coming back from the concussion protocol, and there have to be 24 hours in between the steps. And the and step four is the one where you can actually get on the field and do football activities, but in a limited way, in a limited fashion. Do the math, <laughs> you know. Do, yeah. do, do the do the math there. Um, you know, there isn't there isn't enough time for that. And Teddy Bridgewater is about the most ex- extreme on the extreme end as far as you know the concussion uh protocol goes in as much as he clearly did not have a concussion um and the spotters just made a mistake in the booth thinking that he stumbled when video cameras trained on him the entire every second from you know from when he went down to you know walk walking off the field no camera showed that you know, and um, and so he did not have a concussion, and yet Thursday was the earliest he could have come back uh, in a limited way, and yet Kenny Pickett, uh, you know, did he did they they somehow get more time than everybody else? I don't <laughs> I don't know what's going on there, but um, I'm I'm surprised. Well, I'm not surprised people aren't making a bigger deal of it, but I I am just flat out surprised that it happened. Yeah, interestingly enough, um, I've been looking at the the injury report on the the Pittsburgh Steelers and what's even it's it's it, it makes it brings a smile to my face James Daniel is actually uh he's limited but he might be expected to play uh but the Thursday participation just ticked up for James Daniel Daniels uh to full and also for Mason Cole uh the center also to full mhm uh, before then, uh, you had any idea who was slated to start at right guard? I'll give you five thousand guesses, and on your five thousand and one, uh, you you got to stop talking. You got we just end the show. <laughs> do you think I can? Do you think I can really just name five thousand people right now? I mean, uh, there are five thousand players right now. I mean, it's possible. I don't know. No, I just <laughs> want you to say the name because uh, he was slated to start, and we just missed it. It, 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 it almost feels like a disappointment. It feels like a disappointment that a certain player was slated to start on the offensive line for the Steelers on Sunday, and that is now no longer happening. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, God, I, I uh, 
I don't know. Uh, you're not talking about like Kevin Dotson, are you? No, no, no. I'm talking about our favorite tackle from last year. Our favorite right tackle from last year. Oh, get the fuck out of here, really? Jesse uh, Davis Jesse was slated Davis? to start, yes, at right guard if James Daniels was not ready to go. Turns oh. out James Daniels is now a full participant. So Jesse Davis is now ready for this, the swing tackle for Sunday. Oh, backing up, backing up Dan Moore and Chikuma Okorafor. Uh, yeah. actually a really good player, by the way. He, he's, he's a nice player. He's played well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, I, no, whatever. <laughs> I think yeah. he's overrated. Um, okay. Well, Emmanuel Ogba is now on the injury report uh, nursing his back. He's been absolutely awful this year. So it's good to know that, okay, that his play hasn't been because he's just bad and he got paid. It's because his back is messed up. So we shall see. That's one to, to monitor for the rest of the way. All right. I'm going to ask you about a couple of league issues before, before I do that. We already made our picks. We got the Dolphins in a boat race. I got the Dolphins 27 to 10. Um, I believe Simon had it uh, a little bit similar to that, something like that. Yeah, by by 10 points, I believe. Uh, Your thoughts on this game this Sunday? Because, man, it seems like a celebration, right? It's Tua coming back. Uh, You know, he gets to exact some type of revenge, whatever that is, on the linebacker coach. Um. They're celebrating the 50-year anniversary of the 72 team. They're dressing up the stadium and the end zones. They're wearing the throwbacks. It's Sunday night football for only the fourth time since 2006, mm-hmm. which is insane. So it's kind of like a celebration. Like The only thing that's left is the W, right? So what are your thoughts on the on this game? You know, I'm going to – I mean, obviously I'm going to have the same answer as you guys <laughs> <laughs> as far as uh, as far as the Dolphins winning, um, you know, winning handily, uh, but it's a matter of you know, I think why, and um, I think that the temperament of both Tua and the offense is such that there's like there's when they have angst or they have you know when Tua he's always had this bounce back thing, you mm. know. And, and when he, when he has like a bad play or a bad game, um, there's a bounce back with him and he's, he's been sort of known for that. You go back, uh, you go all the way back to college. Uh, there's, there's sort of a phenomenon. I think I talked about the exact number on, um, on Twitter once, but it was, uh, it was, you know, he, he throws an interception. What, uh, what ends up happening on the very next drive with him, you know, um, it's, that that's the kind of player he is you add into it the brian flores thing and i think that he is he's sort of public even publicly acknowledged um that this is that there's a little something extra something here um because of that and uh and then you add on the fact that this is prime time this is a, a night night game at home and yeah that's those that's really all you I think I think it's also the belief of the rest of the offense too. Like I think they they dropped three games in a row and they really just want to put that away and pretend it didn't happen. And when you get your starting quarterback back and, and the guys who led you to the 0 and 3 were were basically, you know, the backups, but now you have your starter back. I think it's, it's sort of a um a good opportunity for the players on the offense to, you know, sometimes they say you throw the tape away 
Mm. You know, if you, if you put on some, if, if it's really bad, you coaches will just throw it away. Like we're, we're not even going to, we're not even going to look at it. And I think that there's, there's some aspect of that on the offensive side of the ball um, of, of, okay, let's just throw that away. Like that's, that was what it was. We've got our starter back. It's it, we're starting new again. And I think when they're doing that, um, there's going to be a little something extra in their step uh, during the game. And uh, it is, it is going to be, it is going to be a runaway win, I think. Um, so not that the Steelers are a good team and, and they should beat them anyway, but, um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think that it is going to be a runaway win, particularly because of that. Yeah. Well, Mike Florio disagrees with you because he thinks that the Steelers are going to be really up for the game to, to avenge Brian Flores. <laughs> that that really <laughs> yeah he says that yeah like no no I'm, I'm not making none of that shit up okay all right enough of this game enough of this game hopefully the dolphins dust them off on on sunday and we could talk about a victory on monday very briefly to close out the show i told you i was gonna ask you about league issues i find this one absolutely fascinating jerry jones snaps at, and i and i've said this to other people uh, there's two factions in the NFL as far as owners. There's the Bob Kraft faction, which Goodell seems to be really, really well aligned with. And there's a Jerry Jones faction. If you wonder where Stephen Ross kind of lies, you know, where he puts his loyalties, he knows both. He's friends with both. But he's always tended to be on Jerry Jones's side because Jerry Jones was the deciding vote to allow him into their, their billionaires club, okay? And if you've ever watched Billionaire, uh, Billions, the show Billions, they say uh, there's a, a great, great quote in there where they say sports franchises is how we knight our, our, our billionaires here in this country. OK, <laughs> in, in England, in England, they'll give you a lordship, right? They'll name you Duke of, of Miami Lakes or, or whatever. Right. Or, or Duke of Tampa Bay. In this country, we let you buy a sports franchise and, you know, not to get too political, but there's a few guys, a few billionaires that, you know, weren't knighted, let's say. But Stephen mm -hmm. Ross was by Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones told Bob Kraft, quote unquote, and everybody heard it. Don't fuck with me when they were when they were talking about Roger Goodell's compensation. Then, of course, the entire league left. Uh, Jerry Jones out to dry as they voted 31 to one to support Roger Goodell for the next couple of years. The last time that they supported him was in 2020 for compensation. He was paid $128 million for the next two years. Yeah. He's um, he's going to end up an owner himself. So this year it seems like he's going to get $67 million. I'll ask you another question after this one, but, Simple question: Do you think Roger Goodell is a good is a good commissioner of a sports? Uh, you know, I I'm a very I'm a, I'm a results oriented I'm a results oriented person as far as like you know business is concerned and um, and the expansion of the business and um, and th there has been definitely an explosion uh, under his. Uh, under his watch as far as uh, revenues go. And, and so, uh, yeah, I think he's getting, I think he's getting results. I think he's also like for us, for as people, as much as people criticize him for his missteps with respect to punishment and stuff like that. I think that 
he is at least trying to be responsive, which I'm not sure that Paul Tagliabue really was. Um, and, and so, and it was a different time and he's had a, so Roger Goodell has had a a very tough time, uh, to, you know, tough, rough seas to try and navigate that way. Um, because we, you know, I I know you don't want to bring politics into it, but as far as the political land politics have bled into everything in this country. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, as far as the landscape goes and what people care about, like, you know, we've got this situation where everybody cares about everything. And, um, and that's, that's a hard position to be in, uh, you know, when you, when you've got something like your head of the NFL and you have to try and please everybody. Um, and he might not have succeeded all the time. And, and, but you know, he, he is, he is being responsive and in some case, you know, in some cases proactive. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I think, I think as far as stewardship of the NFL and the expansion of revenues that they've had and, and trying to be responsive and really and proactive at times in a really tough landscape. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's probably done. I'd say he's done a good job. Yeah. Uh, he, he probably has, uh, you know, the bottom line is the bottom line, you know, although I, I always root for chaos and he's way too close to Bob Kraft and Bob Kraft is the owner of the hated new new England Patriots. So, that yeah. always makes well, me suspicious. Kraft was so pissed at him though when he levied the 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 punishments for uh, for Deflate Gate. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like like he was compensating, right? Like, hey, everybody knows that that I'm your lackey. <laughs> you yeah. brought me in, so well, I gotta I gotta smack. Kraft this felt one. so betrayed, you know, <laughs> like yeah. So yeah, which yeah. again, you know, credit to some degree, credit to you know, and people are gonna criticize um, Goodell for burying you know the 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 dan snyder um stuff from before even though now they've got a new investigation going um you know he, he's buried a lot of stuff including he buried the tapes from spygate he buried <laughs> yes. you know the data from um but this is sort of like okay let's let's take a step back and and you know there's what we think as fans is right um, because this is a function of what we, what I was talking about, how we all, everybody cares about everything. Um, right. and, and so there's that, but, but what he did in all of those cases was undoubtedly good for the league's bottom line. Mm. Yeah. No, I, 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 mean, I completely agree. He was, you know, if he has to function as the, the guy who, if he has to function sometimes as the fixer, you know, the guy that nobody likes, <laughs> yeah. um, or the hitman, you know, uh, he, he did that. He's done that at times. And, um, and so, you know, yeah, we may hate him for that. Um, but as far as the league is concerned, uh, he's, he's, he's made the league some money. Yeah. And the league uh, also, and this is on the way out uh, very, you could give me a very simple answer. Yes or no. The league put out a hit on Dan Snyder. And how did they do that? They decided to go to a partner. And they had the oldest and most respected voice among all of the announcers, Al Michaels, bring it up in two different segments. You know what? The league really liked to see Daniel Snyder just sell this, this whole thing. And then they sent wild man Jim Mercy out there. Oh, uh, God. If, if people forget, Jim Mercy uh, had a... 
you know, well, he has a, a substance abuse problem, but he was. Has? Of- I don't know. Do we do we know that? Do we do we think he still has it? I mean, he clearly did. Well, he, he clearly did. He had a, a pile of pills and twenty nine thousand dollars and he was headed somewhere. So who knows what he was headed to do with the twenty nine thousand dollars in cash? Uh, I don't know who walks around with that much cash. But he does. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and with you'd drugs. be surprised. And would be drugs. surprised. Some of these some of these old school people, man, they they still they still believe in holding cash. Uh, and it, it's <laughs> it's crazy to me. But yeah. yeah, but simple question. And then we could close the show right here. Daniel Snyder is an owner of the Commanders this time next year, October of 2023. Yes or no? I'm going to say no. I think that I think that there's, I think there are things coming to you know, coming to a boil. And um, you know, when I saw that the DC Attorney General is is you know quote unquote moving forward against uh, Dan Snyder and the um, and the Commanders, I don't I don't know that the league just wants to be. I don't think the league wants to be on the other side of that. And um, and I think I get the sense that there's things have passed a line where they can't return from. All right. That's it. There is no more on Monday. When we talk to you, we will talk about this game. Hopefully a win. It's been three weeks already. So see you then. Thanks for listening to three yards per caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. 